One of the knocks on this 2023 Orioles team, and maybe one of the reasons they were swept out of the ALDS is because, well, most of them just didn't have the postseason experience. Well, now they've got it. And despite the fact that it didn't go well, they've got the experience. But what can the Orioles learn from this 2023 ALDS that they take into future playoff appearances? Talk about that coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're taking another look back at the Orioles' disappointing end to their season, swept by the Texas Rangers in three games in the ALDS, and trying to look at, you know, what will the Orioles learn from this series? Three things they could take away having to do with potential offseason spending, what the Orioles have in pitching depth, and just a reality about the Major League Baseball postseason. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So for the first time, since the season started all the way back on March 30th. I don't have a game to recap. And I don't have a game that I know is coming up in the near future to recap either. It's a weird feeling, right? Now I've done plenty of mailbag episodes and other pods coming off of an Orioles off day throughout the regular season. And, you know, had a whole week last week of the Orioles being off, getting the bye into the ALDS. But this is different. This is off season, but not off season, Right. This is, the Orioles season is done, but a lot of other teams are still playing, and the playoffs are still going on, and the O's can't really make offseason moves yet, so you're kind of in this in-between phase. And I've done a lot of this because the first three years I hosted this podcast, the Orioles were not in the postseason at all, so this is you know the deepest they've played into the year. But it still does hurt that the Orioles were swept by the Texas Rangers in the ALDS after 101 wins, best record in the American League in the regular season. Orioles did not win a postseason game and were simply... Severely outplayed by the Rangers, who advanced to the ALCS now to officially take on the Astros, who beat the Twins 3-2 on Wednesday in Game 4 to win that series against Minnesota. A little Texas AL West matchup in the ALCS. And so, looking at what happened to the Orioles, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about narratives, about what this team wasn't ready for, the lights were too bright, they were overrated, whatever it may be. But I think what we should really focus on is what can the Orioles learn from this experience? Not just the fact that they got swept, right? They didn't win a playoff game. They were, I mean, it was an upset. But also just from their first postseason experience. You know, as I talked about, on the Orioles' postseason roster, 26 players, only six of those guys had ever played in the playoffs before. And a lot of those guys who had, the Jacob Webbs, the Kyle Gibsons, the Jack Flaherty's, the Aaron Hicks of the world. It's a good chance most of those guys are not even back on the 2024 Orioles. I mean, James McCann will most likely be back with the O's next year. He has seven postseason plate appearances. 
Adam Frazier, probably not back. Kyle Gibson, maybe not back. Jacob Webb, maybe not back. Jack Flaherty, definitely not back. We'll see on Aaron Hicks. I mean, there's a potential that only one of those six guys is even on the 2024 Orioles. So not a lot of postseason experience, right? So what did they learn and what could the Orioles as a whole learn from this experience? Now, the individual players certainly learned things about how to prepare for a postseason game. But it's also the team, the organization in general. And I got three things I'm going to go through what the Orioles can learn from their ALDS sweep. Let's start with number one. I think one thing they can learn, specifically the front office, John Angelos, Mike Elias, and others, spending money on your baseball team can be good. As we know, the Orioles have not spent money. 29th in payroll this year, estimated by Fangraphs at about $66 million. Only the Oakland Athletics were below the Orioles in payroll this year. And yes, they did win 101 games with that low payroll. That is impressive. But you're still just holding yourself back by not spending even close to what the average Major League Baseball team is spending. And if the words of John Angelos throughout this season, including in that piece in the New York Times, are any indication, payroll is certainly going to go up. It just kind of has to, but seemingly it won't significantly to where the Orioles are even like in the top half of Major League Baseball, let alone even the top 20 in Major League Baseball spending. They're 29th right now. I mean, do you see them getting any higher than like 25th in the next couple of years? I'm not even sure at this point for the Orioles. The Texas Rangers, on the other hand, eighth in payroll this season, a $214 million payroll. Now, let me start this out by saying the Orioles do not have to spend like the Rangers. The Orioles really haven't since the 90s spent like the Rangers. When In the late 90s, Orioles were in top five in Major League Baseball payroll for a couple years, and in 1998, to start the season, they had the highest opening day payroll. So, the Orioles have done it before under more so of the Peter Angelos tutelage than the John Angelos ownership, but still they've done it before. And even somewhat recently, I mean, the Orioles were up to $161 million in 2017. That was, you know, right around the top 10 in baseball in payroll. And they've done it in the somewhat recent past as well. And they don't, again, they don't have to do what Texas did. I'm not asking the Orioles to jump from 66 to $200 million right now. Maybe one day, hopefully, that would be awesome. Probably going to take a different ownership group. But even with Angelos here, I'm not saying you have to go to $200 million. It's actually really hard sometimes to add $140 million in payroll for just one year at one time. Like, that's going to take a lot of moves. They gave out, the Texas Rangers did, you know, $325 million over 10 years to Corey Seager. Certainly working out, but it's a big contract. Seven years, $175 million to Marcus Semien, working out. Five years, $185 million this offseason to Jacob deGrom. Not working out as much. And there's other guys they've paid. You know, the John Grays, the taking on the Max Scherzer contract. They've got a lot of free agents on that team. But, you know, you look at who is left in the postseason and who has won the World Series recently. And there is certainly a trend. I mean, who is... Heading to the championship series, right? You got the Texas Rangers, 8th in payroll this year. You got the Houston Astros, 10th in payroll this year. You've presumably got the Philadelphia Phillies after taking a 2-1 to lead, 4th in payroll. And even if it is the Braves, they're up there in the top 10 as well. And then it looks like the Arizona Diamondbacks, 20th in payroll. They're going to be in there as well. Yeah, they're a little further down, but still at $124 million. They're still almost double the payroll that the Orioles have. So if the O's even want to get to Diamondbacks level, you got to do some spending. Still, 
Look at the World Series winners. Last year, Houston, team that spends. 2021, Atlanta, they spend. 2020, the Dodgers, they spend. 2019, the Nationals, you can make fun of them, but they spent their money to put together that team. 2018, the Red Sox, they don't anymore, but back then when they won, they spent. 2017, the Astros, team that spends. 2016, the Chicago Cubs, they spend. The aberration, you got to go all the way back to the 2015 Royals, who were still 17th in payroll that year. Like, yeah, they're not a big spender, but it's not like they were 29th like the Orioles, they were 17th. You got to spend money to win a World Series. That is what baseball is telling you right now. And the Orioles can do these amazing things and win 101 games, and that's great. But you need some other guys to get you over the hump. And again, it doesn't need to be $200 million in one season. But can we at least maybe get over $100 million? Like, yes, the Orioles' payroll will go up because just in general there will be arbitration raises and some guys will hit arbitration. So the payroll will go up from $66 million. But perhaps some bigger free agents get you at least over a hundred million, at least into like the competitive range. Again, the O's were in the you know one thirties to one fifties during most of the Buck Showalter Dan Duquette era. Why can't they do that now? It's crazy to think that if they doubled their current payroll, they still wouldn't be kind of where they sat late in the Buck era. Like they can spend a lot more money. The Angelos family is worth two billion dollars. They've got the money. And they've certainly spent it in the recent past. And if you're looking at this Texas team, which was built mostly by spending, but they do have some good young players, you know, Adolis Garcia and, you know, a guy like Evan Carter. They are still on, you know, their rookie contracts and, and making the league minimum and, and still helping this team, certainly. But they got some big names that they went out and spent for, and they're helping this team too. I think the Orioles can learn something about, you know, who's still standing, who wins the World Series. These are teams that, Yes, they do a great job of drafting and developing, but they also spend money on their teams to either keep them together or supplement them with trades and free agents. But it's not just about the spending, right? Because as we've seen from teams like the Mets this year, the Padres, to a lesser extent, they were very unlucky this year, and others, it's not just about the money. It's not just about spending the money. It's also about spending it smartly and spending it right because some teams spend it wrong and it goes all downhill. It's also about getting the right players for the right price on your team, specifically for the Orioles for some starting pitching. And coming up next, we'll talk about what the O's can learn about starting pitching depth from this postseason loss. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Now, right now, it's MLB playoffs, and it's fun to follow along with the games. But it means the clock is ticking on your chance to multiply your money by 100 in cash on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball's never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, Bats Otani, and Gunnar Henderson. So you just go on, pick more or less on stats for these stars like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. And you're not only winning 100 times your money, potentially, but also the Sleeper app. They've got an app, and it's super easy to use. Get in there. Your entries can be made in under a minute. You got your picks in, and then you go and watch some baseball. So use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So as the Orioles fell in the playoffs to the Rangers, swept in the ALDS, trying to figure out what will this O's team learn from this postseason experience. Talked a bit about how, hey, good to spend some money 
And I would say the second thing they can learn is you need some experienced starting pitchers and starting pitching depth as well to not just get through an entire season, but get through a postseason. And the Orioles, if you remember all the way back to spring training 2023, they had more depth than they had really ever had. I mean, they went into spring training with basically 12 starting pitching options for five rotation spots. Now, you could argue not a lot of those 12 options were great major league options. And and again, that is certainly an argument. Some of those guys like Austin Voth and Spencer Watkins were never truly set up to really help this Orioles team, especially as a starting pitcher this year. But when you really look through what the Orioles had by the end of the season, it was just a lack of depth. Yes, they had Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez, who finished the season strong. Yes, they had Dean Kramer, who was solid for most of the year and better in the second half. But as we saw from Rodriguez and Kramer, there's no guarantees. Both of them were terrible in games two and three in their postseason starts. They also had Kyle Gibson, who was a nice veteran to have around. And, you know, Jack Flaherty, who they traded for, they could have gone to, I guess. And, you know, Cole Irvin was still sitting there as a potential option on the roster. And then there was John Means, who you had for a bit, then had the elbow soreness, and they had to keep him off the ALDS roster after making just four starts in September, coming back from the Tommy John surgery. The unfortunate part is, it felt like the Means, you know, injury news of the elbow soreness that keeps him off the roster really foiled the Orioles' pitching plans in the ALDS. If you're a team trying to win a World Series, which the Orioles were this year, you can't put yourself in a position to where if you lose the guy who just came back from Tommy John, you are completely changing your pitching plans. But that's kind of what it felt like happened to the Orioles in this series. Look at the Rangers on the other side. They lost Jacob deGrom early in the season to Tommy John. They trade for Max Scherzer dipping into that payroll, dipping into spending money, and then they lose him too to an injury. And then right before the postseason, they lose John Gray, who was another free agent acquisition a couple of years ago. And yet they still had Andrew Heaney, Jordan Montgomery, Dane Dunning, Nathan Eovaldi, Cody Bradford, Martin Perez, all waiting in the wings as starting pitching depth. And they used all of those guys except for Perez in the three-game ALDS And they all pitched well at certain moments to help the Rangers sweep the Orioles in that series. Now, it's going to be hard to get as much depth as the Rangers had because they had two Hall of Famers on this team and then a bunch of more good starting pitchers. But it's not too much to ask to at least get some adults in the room for the Orioles. Again, yes, the O's had pitching depth, right? They did have Cole Irvin and they did have Jack Flaherty and they did have John Means coming back. But sometimes your depth can't be Cole Irvin. It's got to be better than that. It's got to be someone who has the postseason experience, who's done it before, who's been around the block, and can step up for you when you need it. This Orioles team, I mean, they clearly missed on the Jack Flaherty trade. There's no question about that. And I called for a Jordan Montgomery trade. They, they traded for the wrong Cardinal starter. Montgomery's been good for the Rangers and has helped them so far to the ALCS and potentially beyond. Cole Irvin, jury's still out. I mean, he's still got three more years of team control. He gave up only one player in Darryl Hernandez, who looked really good in the A's system, but also would have been a questionable pass to the big leagues for him in Baltimore. 
Irvin is probably more of a five starter to a swing man, and I think he'll play that role for the next three years for the Orioles and be somewhat of an up down guy at least next year. And hopefully he'll take the next step forward and kind of go back to what he was as his best in Oakland and can be a really good number five starter for the Orioles next year. Like that is certainly in the cards for Cole Irvin, but he's not the guy you can turn to in a postseason series. And really, neither was Kyle Gibson, despite all the good he did for the Orioles in 2023. As you saw, they weren't turning to him to start the first three games of the playoffs. Now, had Game 3 gone different, had the Orioles won, Gibson probably does start Game 4 of the ALDS. But still, it's Kyle Gibson. It's 35-year-old you're spending $10 million on. And also, I did see a lot of arguments that like, oh, Kyle Gibson was the vet with the playoff experience. Like, he should have started Game 3 instead of Dean Kramer. Again, Kyle Gibson's playoff experience is three and a third innings in mop-up duty in the wildcard round, the NLDS, and the NLCS last year with the Phillies. He didn't even pitch in the World Series when the Phillies got there. He was completely the mop-up guy, long reliever, kind of the last pitcher on the Phillies postseason roster last season after he lost his rotation spot in September when he was really bad down the stretch. And I've been a, I'm a Kyle Gibson believer, but like he's not a playoff experience guy. But he's been good for the young pitchers, right? And Jordan Lyles was good for the young pitchers last year. We heard them talk about that. We've heard how much the Orioles love Kyle Gibson this year, how much of a leader he's been. And that's great. You want someone like that in the clubhouse with all these young arms. But it is time to step up to the next level and have that guy you bring in, that veteran starter you bring in, not only be the guy who can lead those young pitchers, but is also good enough that you can easily turn to in a postseason series. And some of the names that are going to be available in free agency Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, Jordan Montgomery this offseason, all guys who I would love for the Orioles to pursue to add to this rotation. It certainly feels like they need to add at least one good starting pitcher to this team heading into 2024. But it's just like you need the depth, right? And you'd like for the O's to get more depth and, and you know hit more on a trade deadline acquisition than they did with Jack Flaherty and Shintaro Fujinami. But also... It's better to build that depth in the offseason. Get that depth for the entire year instead of just the final two months after the trade deadline. And these guys that are out there, they've got the money to spend. Go spend it and get an adult in the room who's been in the postseason and can be at least a number two or three guy for you. Jordan Lyles was nice. Kyle Gibson was nice. This playoff series has shown the Orioles need to go to the next level when acquiring that next starting pitcher in free agency. But I think there's one more thing the Oros can learn from this series, and it's not as in-depth as the other two things. It's more about what postseason baseball is really like for this team. We'll get to that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, what is Jace Medical? Well, first of all, it's very, very simple. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get a prescription life-saving medication sent right to your door. Their top product, it's called the Jace Case. And the Jace Case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. And you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E Medical. So for the Orioles, I'm sure they have a lot of takeaways as they were swept in three games by the Rangers in the ALDS. An incredible 2023 season comes to a disappointing and kind of sad end here this week. Still, 
you know, recording here on Wednesday night, more than 24 hours after the game ended. On Tuesday, still not super over it. I'm, I'm more over it, but I'm not totally over it at this point. Like, it still certainly stings. It still certainly hurts. And I know it hurts for the Orioles players, the coaches, the front office. It hurts for everybody right now to varying levels, but I'm sure they are still hurting from this. And that's kind of the final thing that I think the Orioles can definitely learn from being swept in this series by the Rangers is that the playoffs hurt, right? But also the playoffs, anything can happen in the Major League Baseball playoffs. It's, it's in some ways random and in some ways not. Like I talked about how you know, a lot of the teams that are in the championship series this year, teams that have won the last handful of World Series, they're teams that spend the money, that go after it, that built the best teams. But also, if you compare it to just that regular season, you never really know, you know, once you get those teams into the postseason field, who is going to emerge into the World Series. Like, sometimes you just go cold for three games, and you're done. And that's what happened to the Orioles. That is the nature of the playoffs. Sometimes you're the Rays, you win 99 games, you look bad for two games, and you're done, knocked out by the Rangers in the wildcard series. That is the nature of the MLB postseason. And I think that's a good thing for the Orioles to learn because it's hard to balance, hey, we want to stay the course, do exactly what we've done in the regular season, do the thing that won us 101 games, do the thing that got us here. With also, playoff baseball is different, right? The Major League Baseball playoffs are not designed to crown the best regular season team as the champion. If that were the case... It would just be like the Premier League, and they just win with the best record. Or it would just be like the KBO does it in Korea, where the number one seed gets a bye all the way to the championship round, and it kind of is a ladder formation. It would be like it was back in the day when there was no other playoffs except for the World Series. Each team won the pennant in the regular season and met in a seven-game World Series. That did a much better job of kind of determining in the playoffs the best team in baseball. Playoffs now with six teams in each league, with the wild card rounds, with the division series, it's much more about entertainment than finding out the best team. And sometimes the best team does win because they get hot at the right time. And sometimes a team comes out of nowhere to win it. Like the Arizona Diamondbacks could win the World Series this year. In no way, shape, or form were they ever even sniffing the best team in baseball at any point in the 2023 regular season. But that is what we have. And I don't see this postseason format format as an issue. I know there was a lot of discourse this week because you know the Dodgers laid an egg. The Orioles laid an egg. The Braves don't look good. Those three teams who got you know the five days off after winning their division and getting the bye didn't seem to affect the Astros too much, but they've also been around the block a few times. But still, I don't really see it as an issue. I see it as kind of an aberration of this season where all four wildcard series only lasted two games. All four of them were sweeps. None of them went to a game three. If a series goes to a game three, you have to use a starter and probably a bunch of relievers on Thursday. You only get the day off Friday, and then you start the DS on Saturday. I think in that case, when series go three, I think we're looking at a completely different pitcher. picture, I should say. Your pitchers are not as rested coming out of the wildcard series. And listen, every team in baseball would tell you, the Orioles would certainly tell you, they prefer getting those five days of rest, resetting the rotation, getting the bullpen rested, getting the hitters a breather, get the, you know, everybody is banged up by the end of a 162-game season. Those five days off can be huge for your health, for your body, for your recovery, for everything. Like, every team would prefer that incentive of winning the division, getting the bye, and getting those five days off after the regular season ends. So I don't really see a problem with the playoff format. I'm just telling you, it can be super random at times. And you can think you've got the best team ever, and you can be knocked out super early. That is what happens in the postseason. Where this comes into a learning experience for all these young Orioles who are playing in their first playoff games this week is that you learn that you can't take anything for granted in the postseason. 
you can't even take a regular season for granted. Like, yes, we think that this is the opening of a window for the Orioles, right? Like an opening of a long, long window, hopefully. But you just never know. This division is very tough. has a lot of teams that'll spend, that'll do anything to win. You never know if the Orioles will ever win 100 games again in this stretch, even if they do make the postseason. Maybe they won't win a division for a while because it seems like every year all five teams are, are truly going for it, trying to win a division at least at this point. Now, all to varying degrees, but nobody's tanking in the AL East right now. Like They're all trying to win at the moment. So there's no guarantee you can keep winning the division and keep winning 100 games and always be back in the postseason. So it's learning to savor those moments, learning that nothing is taken for granted, and learning that things happen in the postseason. So on one side, you got to be ready to just accept when things happen. And on the other side, you have to be the aggressor and sometimes make different decisions in the playoffs to force the issue because the 162 games does a great job of determining who are the best teams. The shortened postseason series determines who's hot, who's entertaining, who's riding the coattails of a couple of guys right now and playing their way through October. And that's a different thing to learn about. You know, it's a different feeling. I'm not at all going to say, oh, the O's weren't ready. They, you know, they, they cracked under pressure. They choked, whatever it may be. No, I just think they hadn't experienced it yet. And you can say, and I said this a lot, the O's are playing with house money. You know, the Euros don't know any better. They're so young. But the playoffs are different. I think that's maybe the top thing they came away with is, is realizing in those three games, like, hey, that felt different. We got to bring a different energy to the postseason. It is a little bit of a different feeling. And hopefully... When they get back to that postseason in 2024, the Orioles will now be ready. They will learn from their mistakes. They'll be ready to make a playoff run this time next year, but it doesn't make it sting any less from how the O's were knocked out in 2023. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Really, really helps out the pod. Five-star rating if you would so choose. And then make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Got over 5,000 subscribers. Thank you all for that. We'll be doing a giveaway shortly on the podcast. Because of that, all you have to do is be subscribed to Locked On Orioles on YouTube to win that Orioles giveaway. So make sure and do that. And I really just wanted to thank all of you, right? Like I did this on Twitter on Wednesday, but wanted to do it here on the pod as well. Like this podcast for a while there, I took over in January of 2020. The Orioles were terrible. There wasn't a baseball season until July of that year. The Orioles were bad. The Orioles were really bad in 21. And, you know, in May and June of, of 2022, I was definitely considering giving up this podcast. You know, it, it is not my full-time job, although I wish it was. It can be tough to do it sometimes, and especially with the team being bad and, and you know, just continuing to lose games. I wasn't seeing the growth and really wasn't getting out of the pod what I was putting into it. And then the O's went on the 10-game winning streak last year, and then they got into playoff position, and then they were in a race for the postseason in August and September. And it kind of rejuvenated me in this podcast, but nothing has been like the 2023 season has been. The growth this podcast has been through, got these nice graphics here on YouTube, up to over 5,000 subscribers, have you know almost combined about 10,000 daily listeners and viewers on the podcast every single day. I mean, it's been incredible to see that Orioles fans, you the Orioles fans, have enjoyed this podcast, have liked this content, you know, followed along on Twitter. Yes, I know I've gotten in arguments with many a people on the internet about the Orioles, and I know that's probably created maybe not some enemies, but some people that aren't too much of a fan of me, and that's okay. And on the flip side, I know I've, I've made some friends throughout just hosting this podcast and meeting the listeners and meeting the viewers. So 
it is a huge thank you to you all who have just kind of brought the joy back of hosting this. Like again, this time last year, like I didn't know, you know, what I, I wanted to do with this podcast. Now I know that, you know, many of you know, this is not my full-time job. I, I work a nine to five and I still host this podcast five days a week. Really that is thanks to all of you because you still want the content. You still subscribe to it. You still listen. You still provide feedback. You still provide great comments. It's got some great words on Twitter on Wednesday as well. Like, I just want to thank you all for listening in, for watching all season, whether you've been here for three years, whether you just found the podcast last week before the postseason, whatever it may be, thank you so much. You all are the reason that I do this. You all are the reason I love to do this, and I will continue to do this throughout the postseason, throughout the offseason. We're still going daily, probably through November, talking all things Orioles, breaking down 2023, what went right, what went wrong, how the players did, previewing the offseason, getting to the trades, the free agency, all of it, leading up to spring training 2024, and we keep it going for a hopefully another great 2024 season. But thank you all for tuning in this season. It has been an amazing, amazing ride on the podcast. I hope I've given great recaps, great analysis, given you the news on the Orioles, everything you need to know. Listen, you know, I don't have a chance to go as long form on this podcast, right? And dive really deep into some things that, that actually do interest me with this team. But sometimes I just don't have the time because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about mostly the game the night before, right? And, and I get to do a little more of that kind of stuff in the off season when there's not games to talk about. But, you know, it's a different kind of podcast. And I feel like it's it's, you know, found its niche and, you know, Nobody else out there is doing daily Orioles podcast. Thank you all for finding this one, for supporting this one, for supporting me. I would all to you, the viewers and the listeners, for, despite a disappointing end, an incredible 2023 season, not just on the pod, but for the Orioles in general. And coming up tomorrow on a Friday episode to finish out the week, going to look back a little bit more fondly on the 2023 season. We've been doom and gloom enough this week after the postseason exit. Let's talk about the memories of 2023. What will you remember? And what will I remember from the Orioles 2023 season? Now, I want you all to help me out, though. In the comments here on YouTube, leave the one thing, whether it's a game, a play, a statistic, a moment, a player, whatever it may be, what is the one thing you know you'll remember from the 2023 Orioles season? Put it in the YouTube comments. I'll talk about some of them coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.